Today's scripture reading is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. I'll be reading from the NIV. Hear the word of the Lord. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Good morning, Trinity Church. So good to see you here this morning. Thank you for making the effort to be here and be a part of our worship service. It's great to see your smiling faces here. And if you are visiting here at Trinity today, maybe first time, second time, third time, whatever, we're we're just so glad you're here. Um, Please let us know if there's any way that we can help, any way we can reach out, any information we can provide, anything we can do for you, we'd love to do that. And even though we're not, we don't have the usual guest cards in the back pocket like we normally do because we're trying to um, minimize things that we touch and pass around, but we do have those same prayer cards that Nick mentioned are also guest cards. So if you're here and you would just like a little more information or get on our Trinity weekly email list, just fill out a card, drop it in that prayer box, and it will get to us that way too. Or talk to me or one of our elders, and we would love to welcome you here to Trinity. Um, let me just say too, just a special thank you to Allison, to our team, and I know our. our uh, you know, the instrumentalists and vocalists sometimes rotate a little bit, but <clears throat> I am so thankful for this team. Just the songs that we sang this morning were well thought out and prepared. Uh, you'll see when we get into the passage how much it fits in our, in our scripture passage this morning, but that kind of thought and prayer and practice goes in every week. The team was here and I was in the office on Wednesday, and they started practicing on Thursday, so I'm getting this beautiful music wafting up the stairway into the offices from the practice team, and then they work through the week, and they come early on Sunday morning, and just a lot of things in the background that you don't, may not even know about that they do to prepare to lead us in worship and music on Sunday morning. So as you have opportunity just to say thank you to them, please do that. Um, it's just beautiful to be able to sing together, and they help lead us in that. So thank you. And uh, also another just note of, of uh, actually congratulations, um, Nick uh, Richardson, who is our associate youth pastor who started the service today, gave uh, announcements and prayer and so on. He just recently, just last week or two, finished his master's degree from Southern Seminary, graduated, even though they didn't have a graduation, but he has his degree in hand. He finished his MDiv from there. And so Nick is downstairs, I think, so he can still hear you down there. So let's go ahead and give him a hand of applause. Great job, Nick. Yeah, pound on the floor. (laughs) He'll hear that above him. That's great. So... uh, and he's with our overflow group downstairs. So if you see Nick, congratulate him. That's a huge, it was five years in coming, part of it on, in, in person there in Louisville, Kentucky, and then the rest of it while they've been here in Georgia doing it online. So uh, um, just uh, congratulate him for, 
that accomplishment in his life and preparation for ministry. We're going to get the blessing of that in our youth group as well because what he has learned, he is turning right around and teaching it and sharing it with our youth here at Trinity Church. So very thankful for that. Um, uh, there was one other thing I was going to say, and that is just, now I remember what it was, just as we're doing this, these services and we're, as Nick mentioned, we're trying to just figure out a nice um, balance in terms of how to have our open services and our gathered services and to do it well and do it safely. And if, if you know of others who are looking for a church, a place to worship, and, and you know how we're doing it here, you can describe it for them and invite them. I encourage you to do that um, because we're trying to take these steps to, to make this happen. And so uh, I encourage you to share that with others and let others know about Trinity and invite them to come and to worship and to hear about Jesus right here. And hear about his word, which is what we're going to dive into and even talk about today in the word. So would you pause with me and pray with me and let's uh, prepare ourselves to study God's word together. Lord, we do come with, uh, with hearts that have been prepared well just by singing uh, your praises. Reminding ourselves of who you are and what you've done. Reminding ourselves, as we did in that last song, just of of your precious word that you you've revealed your truth to us you've told us about yourself and and so lord we we thank you for that and i thank you that you've given us this opportunity to gather together this morning and i pray that we would never take that for granted take it lightly that we have this freedom to worship we have this freedom to talk about you so we thank you for that and i thank you for each person here this morning that truly believe that none of us are here by accident or happenstance, you have us here for a purpose, for a reason. You want to speak to us this morning. So we ask that you would do that. And I pray that my words would not get in the way of that, that you'd help me to clearly, accurately communicate your word today, and that by the power of your Holy Spirit and by your living word, you would do the work on our hearts that we need. You would provide the encouragement and the comfort that we need, and that you would show us yourself, reveal to us yourself. And we will give you all the praise and the glory for what you do in our midst and in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so last Sunday was Father's Day. We had our service here. Beth and I left right from church, drove down to Marietta, went to see our kids and grandkids down there and spent Father's Day with them. It was a great day. We got home about 8 o'clock last Sunday night, and it was very clear that a storm had just blown through our neighborhood. And there were leaves down and branches down. And maybe some of you up here north of Atlanta experienced the same thing. Maybe you remember that storm from last Sunday. And uh, so as I walked into the house, I, I looked through the house and out the back window. And it was clear that something was different. Something was wrong. And I walked out there and sure enough, the nine-foot patio umbrella that we had just purchased the week before was no longer there. <laughs> well, because... When I put it in, I, I tightened the things at the bottom, you know, the little screws at the bottom, had it tightened in, it goes in that hole right in the middle of the table, so I thought it was all secure, but I didn't look at the weather Sunday morning before we left for church, I didn't see the storms were coming in, and so I left the umbrella open. And a nine-foot patio umbrella apparently can hold a lot of wind underneath it, and it had been lifted up and taken away. So the search was on. So Beth is over on one side of the house, and I'm on the other side of the house. Where is, how do you, how do you lose a nine-foot patio umbrella, right? And so we're looking all over for it. It's not in the yard. I went all the way around the house looking up on the roof. Did it land on the roof? It's not there. 
I walked to the empty lots that are next to us that are still building in our neighborhood, nothing there. I finally went across the street, so here, here's how my mind's working. I'm thinking, I saw the rain on the windows from the west side. The, the wind must have been blowing west, so it must have picked it up and taken it that direction. So I go over the street to the other side, empty lots over there, no umbrella. And as I'm walking back from those, I look to my right, and there's our neighbor, neighbors who just moved in a couple weeks ago. We just met them a couple weeks ago. And I look in their backyard, and in their patio table, there's a blue umbrella standing in their table. And my first thought was, did they take our umbrella? <laughs> we just met them, and they've already stolen our umbrella? And I thought, no, no, that couldn't possibly be it. And I, kept, I looked, kind of looking over a little bit more, and sure enough, there's another blue umbrella in their backyard laying on the ground. So Beth and I kind of sheepishly went to their front door, knocked on the door. Uh, have you seen a blue umbrella flying by? Sure enough, they said, yeah. It was up on our hill, and we grabbed it, pulled it down, brought it down into our yard until we figured out where it came from. So here's what the umbrella looked like once we found it. Yeah, it wasn't in very good shape after that flight. I mean, it went over a house, a road, and another house and ended up on a hill behind the neighbor's house. So it had taken quite a flight. And I was just trying to imagine what that, I wished I would have seen it. What would that have looked like? Baffling. But our search brought us to this umbrella, though it was in desperate need of repair. There was another search going on in the Bible. In the Old Testament. The prophets were searching, Peter tells us in our passage this morning, to figure out this flying umbrella, if you will, of God's plan. They knew something was going on, but they didn't see it happen. They weren't sure exactly what it was. They were, they were getting this word from God and trying to piece it all together. And so Peter talks about that in our passage this morning. And this amazing idea of the, of the unfolding grace of God throughout Scripture reminds us that both the Old Testament and the New Testament are key to us understanding what God is doing, what He has done, what that plan of salvation is all about. And that we can only gain a full appreciation for God's salvation if we are reading and studying all of God's revealed truth. And which is why here at Trinity, I'm just bringing you back to one of our, our key tenets of faith here at Trinity Church. That's why we preach through books of the Bible for the most part and why we preach both Old Testament books of the Bible and New Testament books of the Bible because it is all God's revealed truth and we need to learn it all to fully understand God's plan. And so... As we're going into this study, and this, we started two weeks ago in this series called Living Hope. That's what the title we're giving to this series in the book of 1 Peter. Because that's a key phrase he uses. He talks about our hope, the hope of our salvation. And he's telling us here that it didn't start in the Gospels. It started all the way at the beginning. It started at the moment of creation, when God made the heavens and the earth, when He made humankind in His image, it started in Genesis 1. And the unfolding plan of salvation by grace is so extraordinary, Peter's going to tell us in the passage. You just heard Tom read this this morning. He says, even the angels of heaven long to look at it and watch it and see it unfold. 
And so I've chosen for the title for this message today, in 1 Peter 1, Even Angels Long to Know. Even the angels long to know what we're talking about today. So if you're not there already, please turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you have a phone or electronic device and can look for, look for it there, that's great. If not, just listen as I read. If you're home and watching online, thank you for joining us. Grab a Bible, a copy of God's Word, and follow along as we read 1 Peter chapter 1. And before we get to the text, I want to take you back to that song we sang. I love the new chorus uh, that Allison introduced to us. I hope we get to sing that again because Peter's going to continue talking about these living words of God. But that older song, that Michael W. Smith classic, these are the words. And I want you to read this with me one more time. Let's say this together. Ancient words, ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. That's such a great prayer. It's a great prayer to pray every time you come to God's Word in your own study, you're listening to God's Word being read or preached or taught, or you're coming to church and you're, you're hearing the Word here, then that's an open prayer. God, open my heart. Let me read and hear and understand what you have for me from your Word. So this morning we're going to see what Peter tells us about these ancient words of the Old Testament prophets and how it prepared people for the gospel. That's what Peter's describing. So here's our first principle this morning, and that is that the prophets searched intently to understand the grace of salvation. Here's verse 10. 1 Peter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come searched intently and with the greatest care. So Peter starts with his phrase by saying, concerning this salvation. So what is he... What's it concerning? What's he referring back to? The previous verses. So verses 3 through 9 that we studied last week, we're talking all about our salvation, that's what he's referring to. So concerning your salvation, the new birth, the living hope, the eternal inheritance, the shielding power of God in your life, all of that that we studied last week. The past and the present and the future of our salvation. Peter says concerning that, Guess what? It's not new. It didn't just appear at the coming of Jesus or the writing of the New Testament. It goes all the way back to the prophets. The Old Testament prophets spoke about God's grace and His plan to save His people. No, they didn't have all the details. They didn't understand the details. They didn't give the details. That wasn't God's plan. But they were intrigued by it. They longed to look in it. They, they listened to what God was saying to them through His Spirit, and they wanted more. They wanted to understand and pass it on. They searched intently and with greatest care, Peter says. So they knew. They knew God was planning something extraordinary, and they wanted to see it and talk about it. And looking back, we can see that the whole Old Testament points to God's salvation plan in Jesus. So, the covenants of the Old Testament point to Jesus. The promises of the Old Testament point to Jesus. A lot of the religious rituals that God's people went through, the sacrificial system and the festivals and, and the tabernacle itself and the, then the temple, all of it was pointing to Jesus. And the prophets, even when they were prophesying God's judgment to come, which often they did because of the sin of God's people, they always always included 
that God's grace and mercy would be shown to those who repented, to those who turned to Him. That's always been the message. They had glimpses of God's salvation plan. And the Spirit of God inspired them to write about that in ways they couldn't themselves totally understand. But they faithfully wrote it down in obedience to God. You know, in Peter's second letter, he, he describes this in more detail. So let me take you to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. We'll put this on the screen. Listen to what Peter says and how it, how it relates to what he says here in 1 Peter. We, have also, we also have this prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by a prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, <laughs> there's a lot of those three verses. That's another whole sermon on, on its own. But let me just try to capsulize what Peter is saying in that passage in 2 Peter. He's saying God's Word was spoken by His Holy Spirit into the hearts and the minds of those Old Testament prophets and writers, and they faithfully put that Word into writing so that we would have it. Peter's saying, because of that, this is reliable. You can count on it. This is the light for your darkness, so pay attention to it. That's what he's saying here. And it's why we can depend on it. It's why, again, one of the basic tenets of our statement of faith here at Trinity is the authority and the reliability and the inerrancy of God's Word. And Peter tells us, it is that because though it was written by human beings, fallible, sinful human beings, it was written as God's Spirit spoke to them and guided them and led them to faithfully write down what God wanted written down. So what we have is God's Word, not man's words about God. It is God's words to us. So as Here's how we then should respond to this. If the prophets understood the need to search intently and carefully, we should do the same with God's Word. If Peter understood the need to pay attention to what the prophets said, then we should pay attention too. Digging deep into both Old and New Testament, to all of God's revelation, to see His entire salvation plan. Don't miss any of it. That should be our search too. You know, there's another desperate search going on in our world right now, too, isn't there? A search for a vaccine, a COVID-19 vaccine. And I went to uh, one of, I'm sure, many websites, but the Cornell University has a, uh, an, a group and a website called the Alliance for Science. And they talked there about there, there are more than 100 individual efforts going on across the world right now to find a vaccine. So 100 different experiments. They, they talked about the top five in there, and one is a company in China that just announced just this past week that in their original early trials, they had 90% success rate in creating these antibodies for in their human subjects. And that's pretty good at that stage, and so they're about to move to phase three of their trial. 
Another company called Moderna is already ready to go to phase three in their trials in the month of July. So they're going to be working with about 30,000 human subjects trying out this vaccine. Dr. Fauci is telling us that we might have a vaccine by the end of the year. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, but if it does, you realize what an amazing feat that will be? That's so much faster than they have ever created a vaccine for a virus before. Because the whole world is involved in this search. And if everybody's paying that much attention to a search for a physical issue... How much more should we be diving into our search for the words of life, for the plan of salvation, for eternal life? That's what the Bible gives us. And we're called to that search. Listen to what Jesus said to His disciples, Matthew 13. He said, Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets... And righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Jesus is saying, do you guys realize how many people before you long to hear what you're hearing and see the Messiah face to face to know what you know now? This is exactly what the Old Testament prophets were longing for, digging into, searching for, seeking for. And Jesus says to his followers, you're seeing it, you're hearing it. And now we have the full, complete revelation of God saved for us. We dare not take it for granted. Jesus would say to us, I think, you've seen it, you've heard it, you know it. Peter goes on to tell us more specifically what the prophets were trying to grasp with this. It's our second principle. The prophets predicted the sufferings and the glories of Christ. So what, as they dug into it, as they carefully studied and listened to the Spirit, what did they hear? What was he telling them? It's verse 11, but I want to start back with verse 10 because it flows right into verse 11. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when He predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Okay, let's pull this apart a little bit. So the Spirit of Christ, that phrase, is not something different, some other spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, just another name for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. And so the Spirit revealed to these prophets that the Christ, the Messiah, would first suffer and then be glorified. Now the prophets, when they heard that, surely wondered about it. They didn't understand the circumstances. They didn't know how all that would happen. But they faithfully wrote that down. They revealed it in their writings. And it's intriguing that they, they knew that, that they talked about that. Now, some of you here at Trinity are in the, the Every Other Monday Precepts class that uh, Terrence and Amanda lead. And you're, if you are, you're studying the book of Isaiah, one of the most amazing prophets of the Old Testament. And the book of Isaiah is just filled with these prophecies, not only about the Messiah, and His coming, but about the second coming and what is still yet to come for us. And Isaiah, maybe the most 
most common, most well-known passage of all about the suffering of the Messiah is Isaiah 53, where Isaiah talks about the Messiah as the suffering servant. And he describes this one who, the Messiah, who, who would be pierced for our transgressions, for our sin. He knew, though he didn't understand how it would happen or why it would happen, and he fully, he, he describes the suffering of Jesus, the Messiah. But even though it was there, in the prophets, the people of Jesus' day missed it. They were expecting a suffering Messiah. And Peter apparently missed it too. I don't know if he just missed that day in rabbinical school when they studied the prophets or whatever, but, but he didn't get it either. Remember our first week when we were doing the introduction, we remembered back that scene where Jesus starts talking about his suffering and his death. And remember, Peter takes him aside. He rebukes him. He says, Jesus, wait a minute. This will never happen to you. You're the Messiah. This can't happen to you. He didn't get it. He didn't understand from the prophets that Jesus, as the Messiah, would have to suffer before His glory. They weren't paying attention to the prophecies. But they were there. In fact, you remember when Jesus, after His resurrection, one of His many appearances was to the two men who were walking on the way to Emmaus. And he joins them in walking. They, they can't recognize him. They don't know it's Jesus. And they don't know the tomb is empty. All they know is that Jesus is dead. And so they're walking along. What's, what are we going to do? What's next? And, and Jesus begins to speak to them and explain this to them. So let me give you this passage in Luke 24, verses 25 to 27. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning Himself. Now, can you imagine that lesson? I, I just wish we had a recording of that. As Jesus went from, from Moses through the prophets, explaining to these two guys all that the prophets said about Him. Everything in the Old Testament that pointed to Him. Jesus explained it to them. Because it was all there. And so, Peter finally gets this. I don't know if he heard it from those two or if it finally all came together after the resurrection. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit comes in and he now gets it as he's writing this letter. And he's telling these believers in northern Asia Minor, saying this was God's plan all along. The suffering would come before the glory. The cross would be before the empty tomb. That earthly death had to happen in order for heavenly life to be provided. That Jesus died for sin so that He could be raised to glory. That was God's plan all along. So why does Peter emphasize this? When you're studying the Bible, you always have to ask that question. Not just what does it say, but why does Peter say this to these believers, to these that are reading his letter. Well, remember from the first week again what we said, and we're going to read it more as we go through the study of this book, because they were suffering. They were going through trials and difficulties and struggles because of their faith. And so Peter wants them to know, yes, you're going through suffering, but you know what's coming next is glory. God's good is coming. 
wait for that. And so we need to understand this for the same reason. Because if you're right now going through some difficulty, some struggle, some trial, the book of 1 Peter is for you. And this reminder of what Jesus went through is for you. That the suffering comes before the glory. One commentator I read said it this way, Our suffering is a sign of our fellowship with Christ and of our glory to come. That's what we see in our suffering. Back when our kids were teenagers, we took a trip to uh, out west and one of the national parks that we visited was Zion National Park. It's one of the gems in the national park system in our country. And beautiful mountains and valleys and great, some great hiking. And so one of the days, Brad and I hiked to a trail and to a point that's called Angel's Landing. And just the title tells you, this is an overlook where you can see the whole valley of the park. So the picture here of the top of this point, and that's from Angel's Landing. You look down the mountains around you, the valley that goes out between. It's just a glorious place and spot. But the only way to get there, I guess unless a helicopter drops you there, which is cheating, but the way to get there is by the trail that comes all the way up from the valley. So you have to suffer through numerous switchbacks and trails going up. And so here's a part of that trail where you're coming from between the mountains. You can't even see the top yet. You can't see anything around you but this canyon on both sides, and you're just going back and forth, back and forth, up, 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 up every step. That grueling hike, you finally get to the top and you think, oh, we're here, but you're not there yet because once you get to the top, then you still have to walk this trail, which goes along the ridge of the mountain to get out to Angel's Landing. And there's this tiny little chain alongside as if that's going to keep you there if you slip and fall because it's drop-off on both sides. This grueling hike up, this treacherous walk on the, on the, the, the ridge to get there, the suffering before the glory of the view. And Peter is saying this, that's what was the prophet said about Jesus, and you need to know that because that's true for you too. Suffering is the way to glory. That's the trail. So the full story of our salvation Includes all that. You can't skip that. You can't skip Christ's suffering and His death and just go to the happy times of the resurrection and glorification. It's all part of our salvation. And seeing that in Jesus' life helps us understand the value of our trials and the need for the suffering. And it gives meaning and, and purpose to it. And we need to know that in order to Hold our faith in the midst of it. There's one more thing that the prophets knew. It comes out of verse 12. The principle is this. The prophets understood that they were not serving themselves, but others. A future generation. So verse 12 says, It was revealed to them, the prophets, that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So this is really all amazing. So Peter is describing in a nutshell here this whole process of how the gospel comes to us. 
God revealed to the prophets that what they were, prom- what they were prophesying about the coming Messiah was not for them to see, that it was going to be for others down in the generations. And somehow, they understood that though they wouldn't see it all, that it was for their benefit too. And we know that. Now that we can look back on this, we see what Jesus did at the cross. It wasn't just for us and, and for His disciples and those who would follow Him. It was for all those who, saints who went before. All those who would placed their faith in God were also redeemed by what Jesus did at the cross. The prophets talked about that we're looking forward to that. But in terms of having the full understanding of that gospel message, they didn't have it. God hadn't revealed it to them yet. It only came with the birth of the church after Christ's resurrection and ascension. And so Peter is describing now how that happens. He's saying to these readers, these recipients of the letter, he's saying, here's what happened. is The prophets prophesied what was to come. Jesus came as a fulfillment of that prophecy. And then those early apostles and teachers that walked with Jesus took that gospel and by the power of the Spirit, they shared it, they preached it with you to you, and now you have that salvation too. And that process, guided by the Holy Spirit, is what has continued on for 2,000 years. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's because of that process. It's because of God's Word, the Gospel, being proclaimed, and it's because the Holy Spirit guided somebody to tell that Gospel to you. So God has given us His Word to help us understand this whole unfolding of the mystery of the Gospel. And the Holy Spirit who spoke to those prophets, the same Holy Spirit is the one who indwells us when we believe. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have His Spirit working in you, teaching you. The last phrase of verse 12 I think is the real kicker here. I love that Peter adds this. He says, even angels long to look into these things. What things is he talking about? Well, it's the plan of salvation. It's the gospel. It's the grace of God that forgives sins. and, And why is that so amazing to angels? Because they're not sinners in need of God's grace. They cannot experience it the same way that we can. All they can do is watch it happen for us. And so the angels in heaven look in and watch what's going on on earth and they're seeing God's grace saving us. They're seeing God forgiving our sin. And they step back and they're amazed. They look down in wonder at what God has done for us. I've always loved Jesus' description of what happens in heaven when a sinner repents on earth. Luke 15, 10. This is what Jesus' words. He says, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One sinner repents and God and the angels and all of heaven erupt in praise. I don't know exactly what that sounds like or looks like, but it must be something special. They celebrate when God saves a sinner. They long to see God's salvation plan unfold from start to finish. And so, 
What we're looking at in 1 Peter, this living hope that we're talking about, it's a wonder even to the angels of heaven. And surely Peter also means that it includes all that, just like we've talk, been talking about today as well, that even when those who have been saved by grace walk through the trials of their life and hold on to their faith, regardless of what happens to them, that amazes the angels too. They look on that and they are amazed. They long to see that happen. When you endure the difficulties of life, when you walk through trials and struggles, the angels are watching. And as they see your faith conquer, come out victorious, they're amazed. This week I received uh, some updates from some of our Trinity missionaries. I hope you see these occasionally as well and are on their, their uh, email chain so you can read what's going on, but one of them came from Daniel and Kathleen Harrison, who serve as Trinity missionaries in Austria. And you would think, you know, they're in a beautiful place in the, the mountains of Austria, a great place to be a missionary, but it's a hard place to be a missionary. It's a hard place to be a Christian. It's just, there's tremendous spiritual darkness in Europe. And, and so they're working with this small group of believers, a church plant there. And just a few weeks ago, they decided to start having a, a monthly outreach event, a just a Thursday night. They just invite people that they knew to come and just hear the gospel and just be prayed for. Very simple. But they did that a few weeks ago. They had 21 people show up, and 14 of the 21 were not from their regular church group. And out of those 14 that showed up that night, two of them prayed to receive Christ as their Savior for the first time that night. And the angels in heaven weren't as quiet as you just were when you heard that. <laughs> they erupted in praise. Jesus tells us that. They looked down on that, and they rejoiced because they got to see two more examples of God's grace at work to change a life. We heard from some other missionaries. Michael and Karen Vincent work in Honduras with a ministry called Casa de Abbey, helping young girls that have been abandoned or abused and hurt in some way and giving them health and love and education. And, and we got a letter from them describing how difficult things are. I mean, if you think there are a lot of inconveniences because of the coronavirus here, it's 10 times worse in most third world countries around the world. So a lot of things are still shut down there. They have trouble even just getting around, just, just driving through the city to minister, to take care of these girls. Only once every two weeks can you go to a grocery store or a drug store or to a doctor. You have to schedule everything for one visit every two weeks. The girls that are usually in school now are having to do all of their education at home. And so they're having to guide 10 young girls in their online education, which is new to all of them. And that letter talked about all these struggles and the hardships and the trials that they're going through. But in every case, they said, but God, but God, but God. God is doing this. God is showing this. God is providing this way. They were showing the triumph of faith even in the midst of trials. And the angels of heaven were looking down on that. And they're amazed. They're seeing the salvation and faith in action. And they're, they're in awe. That's what Peter is telling us here. 
Even the angels long to look and watch God's grace at work in our lives. And if the angels are so amazed at the grace of God saving us and sustaining us, shouldn't we be amazed too? Shouldn't we step back and think about what God has done for us and is doing in us for the amazing grace of our salvation? Shouldn't we be moved as well? So, as we're going to do today, we often sing that song, Amazing Grace. We talk about amazing grace. We use that phrase often. But are we really amazed by God's grace? Are we truly, fully amazed by His grace? Amazed that the God of the universe would care about your eternal future? Are you still amazed that God has a plan to save you? And that plan's been in motion from the beginning of time. Are you amazed that God the Son would leave heaven and enter this world as a baby and then suffer the persecution and the rejection and the torture and the death that He did just to purchase your salvation. Are you amazed at that? Are you still amazed that God is shielding you from the consequences of sin like we talked about last week? That He's walking with you through your trials right here, right now. Are you amazed that God is keeping an inheritance for you in heaven that will never spoil, fade, or perish? When we got home last Sunday and saw that our umbrella had flown over two houses in our street, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> but it wasn't very much in the way of salvation because the umbrella <laughs> was beyond saving. But God has done something amazing in our lives, showing His grace to save our souls for eternity. Be amazed by God's grace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You. Thank You for this reminder in Your Word that You have had this plan all along. From the beginning of creation to Moses to the prophets to the coming of your son Jesus as our Messiah Savior who went through the suffering to get to the glory to those who then have carried on the message of the gospel and passed it on from one person to another to another to another generation to generation and 2,000 years later here we are recipients of that great grace. Thank you for our salvation and Lord may we be so overwhelmed, maybe today just a little more amazed at the wonder of our salvation. So much so that we would be willing and eager to follow you, to love you, to serve you, to obey you, and to tell others about you. Lord, may that amazing grace Move us to live for you. This we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.